The following is a message by Pastor Mike Nye of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. And the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord gave it for repairing and restoring the house. They gave it to the carpenters and the builders to buy quarried stone and timber for binders and beams for the buildings that the kings of Judah had let go to ruin. And the men did the work faithfully. Over them were said Jehath and Obadiah the Levites of the sons of Merari and Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kohathites to have oversight. The Levites, all who were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden bearers and directed all who did work in every kind of service. And some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king, All that was committed to your servants they are doing. They have emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and Aziah the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in the book. This is the word of the Lord, and it is for our good. You may be seated. Thank you, Effie. That was challenging, all those names in there. Good job. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right. Second Chronicles 34 is our text today. If you'd like to turn there, follow along. Josiah becomes king of Judah when he is only eight years old. Anybody in here eight? <laughs> yes, okay. We got some older eight-year-olds. Um, all right, probably our clo- one of our closest would be Jed over there is six, right? And uh, so a couple more years and Jed will be ready to rule the nation. And look at verse two. He does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Mark this, for it is a change from his father, Ammon, who committed all kinds of wickedness, and his grandfather, Manasseh, who started out at least with all kinds of wickedness, although he eventually repented and turned to the Lord and was spared. And the reason that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord is given in verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, so this is when he's 12, While he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. It is as the prophet Isaiah says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. 
Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So children and young people, who this series for this month has been for, (coughs) here we have the first indication that Josiah's life will be marked by repentance. Now I'm using this definition of repentance, to regret enough to turn away from and to turn toward. Josiah regrets that his father and his grandfather erected idols and altars to false gods. He regrets it enough to turn away from false gods and seek the God of David, the true and living God. And with child faith, he then puts action to his repentance. He destroys the idols and the altars. And you can read about that in verses 4 through um, 7. He broke these things apart. He crushed them into dust and he spread the dust out over um, their graves, the graves of those who had sacrificed on them. So his repentance includes an action. He does something about it. But his repentance is not just turning away from. It includes turning toward. It's not enough for Josiah to just stop uh, the worship of idols and to break them down, but he pursues the building of good. At the age of 26, look in verse 8, in the 18th year of his reign, so he's 26, when he had cleansed the land, in other words, when he had broken down all of these idols and, and altars, he sent Shaphan to um, repair the house of the Lord. Shaphan and some other uh, guys here. And so they are going to fix up or repair the temple. It had been left in disrepair, which makes sense because the kings that came before him weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping idols, so they really didn't need the temple. And the temple had been left in disrepair. And so he sends these men and says, go and fix up the house of the Lord. And verses uh, 8 through 13, (coughs) excuse me, tell us about that. But look at then in verse 14, while they're doing this, while they're doing this, the the priest Hilkiah finds the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Now, we don't know if this is all five books of Moses or, is it, or if it's primarily centered around Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It might just be the whole gathering of them. But it is the book that the Israelites for years and years and years have been using to tell them how they're supposed to worship. And it has been so long since they worshiped God that this book is hidden away. It's, it, it's found, as it were. They were not obviously using it. And so in the 18th year of his reign, the law of the Lord comes to his attention. And Hilkiah gives it to Shaphan and the king's uh, secretary, and he brings it to Josiah, and he begins to read uh, the law of the Lord to King Josiah. And look in verse 19 what happens to Josiah. He is so overcome with fear and regret and emotion that he tears his clothes. Now this is not a common practice for us, but this is an expression throughout the Old Testament and really throughout the world and history of intense grieving, the tearing of the clothes, the ripping apart of what I'm wearing. And so he tears his clothes and then he confesses the sin. For great, he says, is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because 
Our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So again, children and young people in particular, as well as the rest of us, note two aspects of repentance demonstrated here. First of all, great distress. He is greatly distressed. He is so distressed that in verse 21 he says, Go inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. He's greatly distressed and he wants to know what's going on with this. Can you imagine having now worshipped other gods for so long that you get the book of the law and one of the first things that he's going to come across is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he's in great distress. That's one aspect of repentance. The second is candid confession. He doesn't weasel out of this. He doesn't say, well, it's not, it's not our fault. Or we meant good. Notice the difference between King David and King Saul when both are confronted with their sin. Remember the story of King Saul? He's confronted with his sin of not wiping out all the people and of not killing the king and then he's got these animals. And when Samuel says, what's going on? You're supposed to wipe everything out and I hear animals. And he says, well, you know, the people wanted to keep them to sacrifice to God. That's weaseling out. That is not a candid confession. David, on the other hand, is confronted by the prophet Nathan with a little story about a rich man who steals a poor man's sheep. And David gets all emotionally up in arms over this. And that man's going to die. And that man's going to pay back four times what he stole. And when Nathan says, well, you're the man, David doesn't pawn it off in some way. Well, you know, I was tired and and I was sleepy, and all that happened, and, you know, he just says, I've sinned. It's a candid confession. If we would continue to exercise child faith, then we must continue to be distressed over our sin and continually confess it candidly. Young people and children, remember that. Have a tender heart that is distressed over sin, that doesn't want it to keep going. They will confess it candidly. It was me, no excuses, no downplaying it. In fact, that, thing, that King David that I just spoke of, he wrote about the, that time when he had committed that great sin and repented. And here's what he said in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of, of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. It is tempting at the point of repentance to try to do good things to make up for what's happened without a broken and contrite heart. But God's not interested in the sacrifices and the good works at that point, although he desires those. What he wants at that point is for us to say, I sinned, I was wrong. I've sinned against you, God. That he will not despise. Now in verses 22 through 28 of of Chronicles 34 there, uh, King Josiah has sent some people to a prophetess in the land to find out 
what's going on here? And Huldah, the prophetess, sends him a message. And you can read the message uh, on your own. We're not going to go through it today, uh, right here now, but on your own today, verses 22 through 28, you can read the message, but the message boils down to this, that though God will eventually bring disaster upon his people, they're going to go into exile, it will not be in Josiah's time because his heart is tender, because he has humbled himself and has demonstrated his humility by tearing his clothes and weeping. You can see that in verse uh, 26, regarding the words that you have heard, because because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. Josiah humbled himself, repented, turned away from the wrong, began to do the right, and God was going to allow him to live out his days in peace. And look then at Josiah's response to that. You can see that in verses 29 through the end of the chapter. He responds by making a covenant with the Lord. Verse 31, And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. This is the third aspect of repentance that I want to look at today, and that is the turning toward. So Josiah has turned away from the false gods with great distress and candid confession. Now he turns toward the true God making covenant. Again, children and young people, it is not enough just to be sorry for your sin. It is not enough to say, oh man, I wish that wasn't the case. That is so sad. That is too bad. I shouldn't have done that, I guess, and then move on with life. But rather, child faith should always lead you to do what is right, including making right what you have done wrong as best you can, with the renewal of promise to God that you are going to follow after him. And you'll see that throughout the scriptures. When one repents, turns away from their sin, they turn toward God with the promise of obeying him and doing what is right. Now, for us older children of God, I want to challenge us to this child faith. We've talked about child faith that includes integrity, being what we are supposed to be, that includes courage, doing the right thing, the right time, in the face of fear, compassion, a concern for others that enters into their suffering and tries to do something about it, and now repentance. Child faith seeks the Lord in forsaking wicked ways and unrighteous thoughts. Because child faith confidently believes, is convinced that God will have compassion. You know why children come to their parents and say, I'm sorry? Because they believe their parents will forgive them. It's why children will go to other children and say, I'm sorry. Because they believe that those children will forgive them. 
And I think it's one of the reasons we sometimes hesitate to repent before God because we've lost that conviction that God will indeed forgive us and that his pardon is abundant. Do you believe this? Do we believe that God's love is so abundant that his pardon is abundant as well? Will that truth lead us to great distress, which will lead us to candid confession, which will lead us to righteous living? Turn over to Psalm 103. I want you to actually turn there so that you have this text embedded in your mind because here is the truth we must hold fast to. Verse 12. I'm going to read verse 12 and 13. As far as the east is from the west... So far does the Lord remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Are you confident of that truth, that your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west? In other words, if you today went out those doors and you started walking east, trying to get to the west, you'd never get there, would you? You would just be going east and going east. You never get to the west. If you were to pursue your sin from yesterday and try to find it, you wouldn't because God has removed it. If you go to God and say, God, show me what I did wrong yesterday that you've forgiven me for, he's going to say, I, don't, I can't. It's gone. It has been removed. It's there no longer. I think we labor sometimes because we don't believe that. We attribute to God a tendency that we have sometimes to hold on to our grievance. But God doesn't do that. Once he's forgiven, that's put away. And it's not brought up again. As far as the east is from the west, so far does the Lord remove your transgressions from you. When we repent, we are forgiven. So, older and younger children of God at Durkee Town Baptist Church, let's let go of pride in favor of a broken and contrite heart that God will never despise. Because then he will forgive our transgressions and remove it from us. Our Father, I thank you for this text that teaches us what it means to truly repent. Not just feeling sorry about something or wishing that we hadn't done a bad thing, but such intense distress over our sin that we would tear our clothing and cry out to you with great weeping candidly confessing what we have done wrong with a confident belief and trust, the child faith that you will forgive us and remove that sin from us and our relationship with you will be restored. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Mike Nye of Durkee Town Baptist Church 
in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkee Town, please visit our website at www.durkeetown.org.